0: We know that the Torah gives a tremendous amount of focus on humility. Humility is a very, very important trait because humility is really that single trait that puts everything into perspective. It allows us to have a relationship with God that is a true and real relationship without us thinking that we're in control of the the world. When we realize that there is a creator and the creator is the the one who makes everything happen, he is the one who brings everything to life. He's the one who gives all beings power. There's nothing else but him, which is in od mil There's nothing but the Almighty. And we suddenly realize, you know what? We play a part in this whole game called life, but it's only by what abilities God gives us. So if God doesn't give us those abilities, he doesn't give us those opportunities, we're really not capable of accomplishing. So who is the greatest, most humble person? naturally that would be the person who was closest to the almighty, right? The closer you are to that source of giving, the more you realize how everything I have is really from him. It would make all the sense in the world that the person who was most humble in the entire world was Moses, right? Which is what the Torah tells us, that Moses was more humble than any man. Ironically, you think if Moses was so humble, would he write that in the Torah that he's that he's transcribing? But obviously it's not him writing his own words. He has no rights. Moses had no rights to, to just add anything into the Torah. It had to be the word of Hashem. Hashem tells him what to write. So what is this virtue of humility? It says that Moses was chosen to be the leader because of his humility. It also, you know, the an interesting side Fact is that of all the mountains that God chose to give the Torah on was not the largest mountain. It wasn't Mount Everest. It wasn't Mount Rushmore. It wasn't any of the great mountains, Grand, Grand Teton. The mountain that was chosen was the most humble one, is Sinai. It was a humble mountain because our, our sages tell us that in order to acquire Torah, this trait is a prerequisite a prerequisite to attaining Torah is humility. We must have humility. We must instill humility into our daily activity, into our daily actions, into the way we operate in order for us to succeed in attaining Torah. Humility means to understand where you stand, to know I am a creation of the Almighty, to know what gifts were given to me, what gifts are totally from Hashem, and um, I was created by Hashem. I'm a servant of Hashem. Imagine your car is being all arrogant. The car itself is being all arrogant that he can drive, right? The car is being arrogant, right? You'd say, what do you mean? This is what you were made for. You were made to drive. That's your purpose. Your purpose is, yeah, we put an engine in you, and there are chairs, and we can sit, and now you drive. That's what you do. They, You know, we we, we fill you up with the, with gas and and go, there's no place for you to be arrogant, Mr. Carr, right? You, right? Imagine you're having that conversation with your car. Well, we are all built by the Almighty. The Almighty created us, gave us all the opportunity and potential that we have. And now what we need to do is utilize those resources that God gave us to serve him. And not to feel like, hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm so great. I'm so, you know, Albert Einstein was a very, very smart man but Albert Einstein was given a gift and his responsibility in life was to fulfill that gift. That's his job. Okay. So when someone is given a certain task, they're responsible by the almighty almighty's uh, charge to us. When we begin our life is to maximize and utilize those strengths and abilities that he has given us. So if a person is doing great things, accomplishing uh, nicely in his life, a person has to always remember that they have no right to start walking around with all that pride, with uh, all of that uh, boastfulness about their deeds when this is what they were created for. Okay? A humble person one who is one who knows his place and doesn't think of himself greater than they really are. Okay? So if someone is is a person of humility, they will know exactly where their place is. They don't have to take other people's space. They don't have to take away the pride of other people, but they know this is my place and that's it. I wanna share with you a few stories that I think can can really put things into perspective for us on what it means. So my favorite story, I actually read the story yesterday again, to make sure that I had all the, all the details correctly remembered. Uh, my favorite story is a story about Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. A woman called up his house Friday afternoon. The house is all hectic. Everything is uh, hustling and bustling, preparing for Shabbos. He get he, a phone call. The phone rings. Hello, can I speak to Rabbi Feinstein? And this was Rabbi Feinstein's student who picked up the phone. And he said, I'm sorry, Rabbi Feinstein is busy at the moment. How can I help you? She says, I wanted to speak to him. I wanted to ask him what time candle lighting is. So the student says, you know, candlelighting is whatever time it was, uh, 6.30. And he says, you know, uh, ma'am, you know, Rabbi Rabbi Feinstein's very, very busy. You don't need to call Rabbi Feinstein for candlelighting time. You can just look at any Jewish calendar and find out what time candlelighting is. So she says, I don't know what you're talking about. She says, I've been calling Rabbi Feinstein for the past 25 years for candlelighting time. He's never mentioned anything about calendars. That is the humility of a person who understands that just because i'm a holy jew a righteous jew a scholar a, a saint it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference i can still treat another human being with dignity with kindness with patience and not to feel like i'm a holier than thou i don't deserve uh, you you don't deserve for me to talk to you another amazing story that's told about rabbi moshe shera rabbi moshe shera was the uh, he was the quintessential community leader Uh, in the Jewish community in New York Uh, for many, many decades. He was, you know, helping in every way that was needed in the community. All community issues uh, ended up on his desk. He was selected by one of the presidents to be the Jewish representative in the White House to discuss on the day of, uh, I guess it was like religious freedom or something like that, back in the 60s, that, you know, he was there representing Judaism. So all these these. Uh, leaders from different religions were invited to the White House and everyone spoke their religion's theology and their perspective on what was going on then in the world. And everyone spoke very nicely. And at the end, the president stood up, I believe this was JFK, and he summarized what, what happened in all of the different uh, presentations. And then he points out that what was most meaningful to him was what Rabbi Moshe Scherer, Rabbi Moshe Shera from New York what he said was most meaningful and he gave whatever imagine if that if that was you right you'd be on, on cloud 9 that not only that you were invited there and you got to speak in front of the president but when he gave his summary right he quoted you and liked what you said most imagine you'd be on cloud 9 so Rabbi Sher is all excited and his entire train ride back to new york he is on cloud 9 he's so excited and he's he's just like like on top of the world and he can't wait to tell his family and tell his friends and and like wow this is so incredible as he gets home he you know opens the door and his wife says to him he he says oh hi everybody i'm home his wife says oh great marcello you're home can you quickly take out the garbage right it immediately put things back at the perspective, and he he spoke about this experience. We're saying, saying that this was able to get him back down to earth very quickly. And when we sometimes have these these things, we feel like, oh, look at me, I'm so great, or whatever it is. Uh, look at what I've accomplished, and look look what. Just let's get back to earth. Let's get back down to reality, and and it's it's the very very uh, humbling for a person to know their proper place and to know where they stand. I want to share with you that when my son, uh, my oldest son, my, when my wife was in labor with my oldest son, uh, our midwife was my great aunt. Uh, her name was Bambi. She's the head midwife at Charitetic Hospital in Jerusalem. She delivered uh, about 40,000 babies in her 50-year career as the head midwife in Charitetic Hospital. And you can search her up online. There's articles that were written about her. as an unbelievable woman. I remember when my wife was in labor, so there was a a a student nurse that was there. They have a school in the hospital as well. Like most hospitals, they have student nurses, and the student nurse had no idea who Bambi was. I mean, she's heard about her, but she has no idea that the person who was actually there, the head midwife for my wife, because she's family, and she was even though she was already semi-retired, but for all family, she would always come in and she would do the delivery. Now, just to put things in perspective, I was delivered by her as well, right? I was delivered by her, my son was delivered by her, and many of my siblings were delivered by her. So this young nurse had, I'm telling you, she had no idea who she was talking to. And she was sort of lecturing her on what should be done, on how things should be done, and I'm telling you, what I learned from that experience was the humility that this woman had. She listened with patience, she listened with kindness, and she's like sitting there listening to the student. I guarantee you that student, when she walked out of the room and she was telling her other fellow students, you know, who, you know, there's some other like midwife there. I have no idea what she's doing there. And they're like, Yeah, you know who that was. That was Bambi. And she probably had a heart attack, not knowing who she was talking to to me, seeing her accept from another person, like, you know, maybe they have something I can learn. I shouldn't be so, so high and holy on myself. Like I know everything. Maybe there is something I can learn. Maybe there's something that I don't know. And that to me was a very, very important and special lesson that a person has to know their place. And even though the student may have been out of place, but it doesn't change the reality for me. You've been working at a company for so many years and then a new uh, a new recruit comes in and they start uh, lecturing you. Uh, well, maybe there's something I can learn. And it says, Ezo adam. Who is the wise person? Who, the one who learns from everyone. Someone who learns from everyone. We can learn from everyone. There's no such thing as someone that, that, that we can't learn from. You know, there's a story that's told. I've, I've said this recently. I don't know which class I said this in. But it's a beautiful story on humility as well. Uh, The Chazonish, uh, one of the great leaders of of Torah Judaism in in Israel, lived in Bnei He was a a very wise person. And a couple came over to him. He passed away in 1953. Uh, But a couple came over to him and asked. They said, um, a husband and wife, they were in a dispute. The husband, till that time, would take out the garbage every morning. And uh, now he got a new job and he's a head of a, of, a, of a new institution. And he felt it was undignified for him to take out the garbage. Now in Israel, it's not like it is over here. You can just go to your backyard, throw the garbage. Um, in Israel, you take it down to the road and you throw it into the big dumpster, right? And uh, he just felt that it was, it was inappropriate. So they went to the Chazanish to ask the Chazanish. And uh, the Chazanish responded by asking details, he says, where do you live exactly? They said, on this and this road, which which building, this and this building, which apartment, this and this apartment. He says, and tell me what time in the morning would you usually take out the garbage? And they told him, you know, it would be eight o'clock in the morning when he was on his way to the yeshiva. Chazanish thinks about it for a second. He says, you know what? Where you live exactly and the time that you would go out, you're right, it's not dignified for you. It's not dignified for you. You shouldn't take out the garbage. And the next morning at eight o'clock in the morning, there was a knock at their door. And who's there? The chazonish. And they're like, startled. What, what's the chazonish doing at our front door? And he says, uh, he says, I came to take the garbage. Says, so what, what do you mean? He says, it's not dignified for you. It's dignified for me. It's Fine. Give me the garbage. And that was a very, a very special way for the chazonish to teach someone that it's not above them. To, to it's not something which is you know beyond their dignity to do. You know what? Who you are? I'll tell you something very interesting though. Uh, there's an amazing story told about the Chabad Chaim. The Chabad Chaim um, was once on a train with the great Rabbi Rabbi Mayer. He was the founder of the Daf Yomi system. His name slips my mind for a moment, but uh, he was young. He was half the Chabad Chaim's age. They were traveling on the train together, and on every stop. People from the town knew that the Chavetz Chaim was traveling on the train, and they came to the to the train station to see the Chavetz Chaim. And the Chavetz Chaim didn't go out of the car to go onto the platform till the train would continue going and get back on the train. He didn't do that for the first couple of stops. And after the first couple of stops, this, or Mayor Shapiro it was, Rabbi Mayor Shapiro from the Shiva of Lublin, uh, who was sitting there on the, on the train with him, he says, I don't understand. Why don't you go out? Why don't you go out? People are waiting to see you. People want to see you. He says, I don't want to get into divorce which is arrogance. I don't want to become arrogant that people are coming out of the, coming out to, to come see me. So mayor Shapiro says to him, and what's wrong with arrogance? He says, what do you mean what's wrong with arrogance? It says that one who's arrogant will burn in, in Gehenna, right? Someone will burn in, in purgatory for, for, for Gehenna. He says, and what's wrong with doing that for people? He says you're giving people joy so that they people are coming out of their houses to see you. People are coming out. They want to be inspired by, by seeing you and you're depriving them that opportunity because your personal pain potentially of being of of the fire of Gehenna, that's what you're, you're being selfish. He says, you know what? You're right. And from that point on the rest of the train, the rest, rest of the trip, the Chabadz Chaim went out of the train, went onto the platform, and and greeted the people that came out to see him. I think it's a very interesting perspective of that. And, and the Chavetz Chaim thanked Rabbi Shapiro for giving him that perspective, for giving him that opportunity to see it from a different angle. Here you have Rabbi Meir Shapiro was less than half his age, and the Chavetz Chaim accepted from him. The Chavetz Chaim was willing to. You understand? It really is an amazing thing. This is talking back back in the in the twenties, nineteen twenties. It really is a special thing for someone to be able to stop and, and, and see things from a different perspective, for someone to see that there's another way to look at things. We all get very, very uptight about our opinions, whether it's about politics, whether it's about uh, the way things are done, or how something should be cooked, or how a house should be run, or, you know, I, I, was, I was actually telling my children, one of the things that I want them to remember for when they get married. Is that there are certain things that parents should not get involved with uh, in the, in their children's married life, right? I, in my opinion, one of those areas is what they should name their children, right? I don't think it's a parent's business. I don't, th- and I told my I told my children, I said, when you have your children, you can name them whatever you want, and it's not my business, and it's not my parents' business either. And it's not. I, I've heard, I've I've been called many times by people who've said, I don't know what to do. My parents, my in-laws, they want me to name this. They want me to name that and this and that. He says, we want to name whatever we want to name our kid." And people are holding up. Like, how dare you not respect my mother or my father or my aunt and my uncle? Well, guess what? It's their child. It's their right to name their child what they want. Right? And no one, no one has the right to. Right? But everyone gets caught up and everyone has their opinions. And everyone feels like, it, like, like the world owes them something or their children. I once heard from a, a, a great rabbi. He says, if you're old enough to have children, you're old enough to name them. And everybody else should should, should butt out. Either way, but sometimes it requires a humility. Uh, man needs to be humble before other people. This will help a person accept and learn from others, even someone younger or smaller than you. And that's what one of the things that we mentioned from the mission. You want to know who a wise person is? He learns from everyone. Not only from people who are as wise as me, people who are are from my caliber, people from my economic level. These are the people I'll listen to. These are the people I'll talk to, but not people who are of lesser standards. And that's not the proper way to to, to go about this. A person has to have a respect and and acknowledgement for every person, no matter uh, if they're smarter or less smart, if they're more gifted or less gifted, every person should be able to learn from another person. I want to share with you another idea about humility, and that is as follows. We say in the Eshet Chayil song that we sing every Friday night at our Shabbos tables, recognizing the woman of the home, recognizing the function and the, the holiness, the greatness of the Jewish woman, and we have a special song, right? It's part of Proverbs, uh, chapter thirty-one, I believe, uh, according to many commentaries, it originated by Sarah. Written by Sarah, actually, it's put into the book of Proverbs by King Solomon, but it was written by Sarah, according to many opinions. It says over there a very interesting verse. It says, Sheker Hachem Yofi, Isha Yiras hitisalo. It says as follows: Sheker Hachem, right? The grace is false. And beauty is nonsense; is vain. But a God-fearing woman, she is praiseworthy. What's what's going on here? So, our sages so, tell us something really incredible. True, true. Something which is something which is a praiseworthy, is something that you accomplished. Beauty and grace is something that you either have or you don't by birth. God gives it to you or he doesn't. And that is not something which is praiseworthy because you did nothing to attain it. You did nothing to accomplish it. But to be a God-fearing person, to which is what we consider what the Talmud says, the only thing that you can attain is to become God-fearing. That's you. That's your doing. And God-fearing has many different components. All of these traits that we're talking about, and many different components of that of being God-fearing, bringing God into this world, true accomplishment that is praiseworthy. But beauty, grace, that's not something you've done anything for. That's not something which you should be going around taking pride for. Sheker ha'chein behev Yofi, to praise someone for their beauty. What do they do? For someone to show off their beauty. Look at me, I'm so great because I'm so beautiful. What have you done to to attain that? Nothing. But someone who works hard to attain something, like to be God-fearing, right? To work really hard to accomplish something, right? That is praiseworthy. Now, I want to share with you my favorite childhood sport was baseball. I'm not going to mention the Astros. Very sore topic for most of us Houstonians. Right, my children call them the Houston Cheaters. Right, uh, so we're not going to get into it, sore topic. But my favorite pitcher was a, a a man named Mariano Rivera. Some of you may know he was an incredible, incredible closer for the Yankees. Played for the Yankees for many years. I believe he has the world record. He has the Major League Baseball record on most saves. And he had a pitch which was unhittable. Every person who tried to swing their bat at this pitch, it would crack. And I've mentioned this many times before. People would ask him, so what's your secret? Tell us how you throw that pitch. You know, how do you throw that pitch? And, you know, when he was retiring the last year of his of his career in baseball, every stadium that he played in uh, made a special event for him. Made a special event they you know they some people some some stadiums gave him a bat as a gift some gave him a ball as a gift a glove a rocking chair you know everyone gave different things to commemorate such a special uh pitcher and he was always interviewed he was always being interviewed and he was different than almost any athlete you'll ever listen to because many athletes, they ask you, so how did you uh, how did you make that catch? How did you make that interception? How did you may hit that home run? And it's just like, you know, oh, we've been practicing. And we've been, you know, and, and they, they take a lot of pride about how they've accomplished. And what he said was so unique and so different. He says, I have nothing to do with this. This is all a gift from God. God gave me this gift. He says, I can show you what I do, but it's a gift from God. And even though he's on the spotlight and everyone is celebrating him and everyone is, is, is acknowledging his, his accomplishment, he still was resistant to taking the credits for himself. It's still, it's the Almighty. God gave me a gift. God gave me the ability to do this, to entertain people, to make people happy. I, I deserve no credit. Stop giving me all this praise. Stop giving me all this acknowledgement. And it's an amazing thing because the Mishnah says, Shekola boreach with a covered covered right if you covered right anyone who runs away from honor honor seeks them and anyone who seeks honor honor runs away from them see many people are always trying to be in the spotlight they always want to get their face in the camera they always want to... and then you have people who run away from it like this individual And it kept coming after him, kept coming after him. As much as he tried to downplay it, more and more people acknowledged it. It's an incredible thing for a person to know their place. Who am I? What was I put into this world for? If I was given the ability to become a great writer, to to be a great writer, I'll give you an example. If you've ever met a great musical composer, I've met, I've had the privilege to meet some of my, uh, some of my musical heroes. And uh, I've asked them, so how do you write songs? How do you, and most of them who are being honest will say, I have no special skills here. You know, I just sit down by my piano, or I sit down by a guitar, right? And just strum or, or play the keys and songs just, just, they just come out, right? It's a gift that God has given me, right? And like, and we're like, what do you mean? It doesn't just happen. It's like, you're right. And people who are great writers, people who are great singers, people who are great uh, uh, athletes have to recognize we all have gifts, by the way, every single person. We may not have the gift of being a great actor or actress. We may not, not have the gift of being a great dancer or a great singer or a great writer or a great orator, a great speaker, but we all have gifts that we can shine in. We have to remember that those gifts are a gift from the Almighty, right? And everyone, it's just like someone who's a great uh, a great uh, a writer showing off that they're a great writer. What do you mean? Hashem gave you a freebie. He gave you a free gift, gave you the ability to be an, a, a great writer. Utilize it, right? Just like if someone was given that trait, that ability, that talent, and neglected to utilize it, you'd say, what's wrong with you? You were given a great gift to be a singer. Why don't you sing, right? Just like if someone neglected that, we would ask them. So too, if someone has it, utilizes it, and shows off about it, that's not either something appropriate, right? It's not appropriate for someone to take credit for something that we really didn't do much to attain. What we need to remember is that God gives us these gifts. God gives us these gifts. And we have to always take that into, uh, into, into account. Whenever we're about to open up our mouths about showing off an accomplishment, who gave me that ability? It's a very interesting thing. The Talmud says that when a person starts speaking, the first thing you should do is praise your host. Praise your host. I think it's a very, very interesting comment from the Talmud, right? Post You always begin with honoring your host. Who's our host? The Almighty. He's hosting us in his world. Before we open up our mouths every morning, what do we say? I recognize that you are my creator. I recognize that you restored my soul within me. Before I open my mouth and start praising, oh, uh, thank you very much for this honor. Thank you very much for this recognition. I I really, uh, you know, it's been many years. I've been working on this. No, 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 stop. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me life. Don't lose perspective of that we are visitors in God's world. He gave us the abilities that we have. He is our host. And he's giving us these opportunities. And we have to be very careful before we start taking credit. It's an interesting thing. If we analyze Moses and his life, we see that Moshe doesn't take credit for things. He realizes the closer he is to the Almighty, the closer he is to that great power, that great force, the more he doesn't want to take credit. The more he realizes, it's a force that's so much greater than us. You know what a humbling experience it is. What we're we're right now, instead of being face to face and seeing all of your beautiful smiles and being able to talk and to you know to maybe give an embrace, a hug, and to and to and to you know interact with one each other in a, in a, in a, in a close in close proximity. We're all now in our homes sitting by our kitchen table, dining room table, in our study, in our bedrooms, wherever we are sitting and and, and watching this class. From what? One little microbe. One little microbe shut down the entire economy, shut down the entire world. Airplanes aren't flying. It's, It's amazing. Everything shut down, from what? Rabbi Brody said this to us, I mentioned this previously. What is this, this, uh, this virus called? Corona. What is Corona? Corona is the crown. The crown of who? The crown of Hashem. It's showing us that we are losing perhaps perspective of who runs this world. And it's a, it's a little humbling for us, mankind, to recognize that, you know what? We're not in control as much as we feel we are. Medicine, and you know, we have all of these advancements and they're worth nothing comes one little microbe, and we have nothing anymore. And we're just trying to gain an understanding of what in the world is going on here. And sadly, we have over 30,000 deaths in the United States already. I mean, this is worse than any war we've had. Think about that. And in what? In, in a month or two months' time. It really is, is terrible. And I want to just have in mind in our prayers that there should be a quick speedy recovery to all of those who are ill from this terrible illness from this terrible disease but perhaps god is waking up mankind and saying hey 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 you're getting carried away thinking you have control of the world look how we're not in control anymore so i think it's a little bit humbling for us to realize that we're not we don't we're not all-powerful hashem is all-powerful Okay, so there's, there's a lot to continue to discuss about this. If a person believes in his heart that he's greater than another person, it's sort of not realizing where you come from. It's not realizing that we all have a different mission that we're here to accomplish. To start comparing ourselves to another person means we all have the same point A and the same point B. And that's not true. Everyone has a different point A. And everyone has a different point B. And what one person needs to accomplish in their lifetime is very different than what another person needs to accomplish in their lifetime. If one person was brought into this world to write 200 books and they wrote one and someone else wrote one who was only supposed to write one. So Hashem looks at the person who wrote one who could have written 200 and says to them, why didn't you accomplish more? He says, what do you mean? I did what everyone else did. He wrote one. I wrote one. Right? says, yeah, but I didn't give them the same abilities I gave you. I gave you great abilities. You can do so much. You could have done so much more. Why didn't you? And that is we're going to be held accountable for not recognizing our place. We have to know our place. We have to look at ourselves and evaluate what are the talents, what are the skills, what are the abilities that God gave me. God gave me not that I have with myself recognize and we have we have to instill this in ourselves every day you're a marathon champion guess what hashem gave you that ability yes you did training yes you have a great coach yes you keep on you keep on on working on it and it's and it's a hard work but who gave you the ability to begin with the almighty and never to lose perspective of that okay You're a parent, I'm a parent. We all know that we love our children tremendously. But there are some times that we don't always give the lollipop. Sometimes we have to be firm. And sometimes you have to ground your daughter, right? Or ground your children. And sorry, you're not going to get the car for another two weeks. What do you mean? It's causing her a lot of pain, right? Why are you doing that to her? Isn't the only way we do it is give lollipops and and candies and give them treats? Sometimes you have to give a a a a, a potch, and sometimes it's not pleasant, and I think sometimes we have to come to terms with that reality that it's not always it's not always a picnic, and perhaps not perhaps it's certain that the Almighty is talking to us because if you look throughout the history of the entire Torah, through the history of the entire world, and you look at it twenty twenty hindsight right, we always see there was a story that uh, you know you have uh, Jacob right. Jacob was punished for something that he did wrong, right? Um, we see that Abraham, Abraham was punished for something that he did wrong. Isaac, the same, and every single one of our tribes and Moses and Aaron, they were all punished. Or Moses, he hit a rock instead of talking to a rock. What's the big deal? Same results happened at the end. The water came out. So what does it make a difference? God, really, you're going to nitpick for Moses on this? Now he's not going to be able to go into the land of Israel forever? That's pretty harsh. We all know that that's the way a healthy relationship works. Sometimes it's a time of closeness and sometimes it's a time of distance. And that's part of, sometimes we get too close. We were like buddy buddies and we don't realize in oh, one second there, there's, we have responsibilities, we have obligations and we have, and we're held accountable. So yeah, there's tremendous pain. Look, I, I know my, my, my grandmother passed away. My wife's uh, uncle passed away. They all had the, had this, the, uh, had this corona and many other people I know, it's very painful, it's a very challenging time, but it's a time for us to really open ourselves up and say, you know what? Maybe we've been going down a wrong path. Maybe we feel too comfortable in this relationship and we're not taking it seriously enough, our responsibilities, maybe. I don't have the answer to everyone. I know for myself what I need to think of and what I need to evaluate for myself to ensure that uh, that hopefully I'm on the right path. Salel is a great example in our Torah where we see that someone was given a specific task, and we see that he was given special abilities by the Almighty to do the job right, right? You think of a salesman, like the best salesman in the world, right? Oh, unbelievable. He can sell you the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Who gave them that ability? And for someone to say and to walk around with that pride, look at me, I'm such a great salesman, you should learn from the best, learn from me, right? Read my book, buy my book, you know, because I know is not recognizing that it's all a gift from Hashem. That's the most important important piece that we see here, like you're mentioning from bitsalo that's correct, that every person needs to recognize that the gifts of the ability to breathe as well, the very simple, uh, ordinary, you know, oh, I can walk, I can run, look at me, right? I'm, I'm, right? Hashem is reminding us on a, on a regular basis, right? I'd say that those little common colds or, you know, you get it, is to remind us how fragile we are. You know, we sometimes don't realize you get a little ache in your hand, right? You go play racquetball or tennis and you get a little ache in your hand. You're like, oh, it really hurts. It really hurts. You know, maybe Hashem is just telling us, guess what? I give you all the ability anyway, right? I just want you to remember that you're just human. I give you whatever strengths, whatever powers, whatever Uh, abilities you have it don't forget that it's coming from me sometimes a little bit of that pain is there to, to remind us you know it's an amazing thing if you think about it look at how many different car companies there are right look at how many different car companies there are everyone has their own contribution that they can make what do you mean what was wrong with the first car what was wrong with the 20th car what do we need 6,000 different new cars every year from every different automaker, for every different style and every different shape and every different size? That's, I think, a very good example of how everyone shines in their own way for a different person, for a different, for a different style, for a different lifestyle, for a different uh, family situation. This one needs a minivan, and this one needs a sports car, and this one needs a luxury car, and this one needs a, a college car. Everyone is unique and everyone is different. And it's okay for it to be different. We don't all need to be the same. We all don't need to think the same way as well. So so I want to share with you one statement from my grandfather. Okay. My grandfather would say that one who craves attention hasn't found himself yet. It's a very, very important thing because a person who who understands themselves doesn't need to be filled from the outside. They find that wholeness, they find that fulfillment from within. They don't need the outside to validate, they don't need the outside to to give them acknowledgement in order for them to feel uh, that fulfillment.